Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to You've Championed Yourself. Who are you? I'm Chris Ferguson, your host. It has always been a dream of mine to showcase ordinary people doing extraordinary things in life for themselves and for others. Those who have taken their dreams and ideas then turned it into their reality. As they reach beyond their personal struggles, their pains or traumas where so many people give, give up and lose hope. There are those few who can walk through their obstacles and challenges, not knowing where it's going to take them. They just trust themselves enough not to give up, to do the follow through in their personal life, their career, and in their relationships. This is what I call a champion in life. Today, let me introduce you to Mae Fan, and she's an amazing individual. She does... She, she's going through some transitions, but it's okay. We're always, everyone is going through transitions. So let's welcome May into the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me here. My name is Mew, actually. Oh, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> no I apologize. I'm terrible with names. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. So yeah. I know you from Facebook. Yes. Yes. And so we have, the, we had already had a relationship built together. Yes. But I didn't know your backstory. Oh, yes. Uh, my backstory is, um, and I'm really glad you're talking about no matter where you are and you chopping yourself and never, ever giving up. I have a, my backstory is uh, my family. I'm actually born in Cambodia during the one of the worst, hardest, worst time in the, that country's history. And so um, I don't know if you've heard of the movie The Killing Field. I have. So, I've actually seen it. Yes. Well, um, there's a difference between seeing it on screen mm -hmm. and a whole difference actually experiencing it yourself. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Imagine how you felt watching it. It is 10 times, 100 times more actually being in it. Mm -hmm. And so I was born a year before it happened. Um, anybody who is in the coaching realm knows that anything that happens before eight years old, those what happens is the fear that I experienced every single day from one to eight all happened during one of the hardest times in my country's history. And so I grew up with a lot of fear and all that stuff. Um, so that's my backstory. Um, my other backstory is when I was about to turn six, we were sponsored from refugee camp in Thailand and we moved to Canada. Um, and you know, about, so we were really poor. I mean, there were such six of us, all family, and we moved to Canada and all the stuff we had just fit into one dresser. We just didn't have any money. And I remember at age nine, I went to, um, it was a time in Canada where you either take singing classes in school or play an instrument. And I wanted to play the clarinet. And I remember going to the store, my mom and my stepfather had all intentions of buying a clarinet and the price was 350. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. it so clearly. It's like, I'm like 47, nine. So it's almost 40 years later. I still remember how much it cost. The cost was $350 and I could hear the voice sink. My stepfather said $354 and his voice sunk. And he said, I'm going to buy it. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want it after all because I knew the struggle that he experienced. And I walked away. I still have tears in my eyes from just being in that scenario. 
Uh, but I told him I didn't want the, the instrument after all. I didn't want to play the clarinet. Um, but at that moment, I said, I've never, ever in my life ever going to be trapped in that situation where I had to decide for something because I didn't have enough money. I'm never going to do that. And that is my mission ever since um, when I was a in my career, I wasn't going to let money decide be the obstacle of anything I wanted. And when I became a coach, I focused on helping moms and now parents in general to really thrive in business the easy way, um, the quick way, so that children don't have to take on the financial burden or the stress mm. of their parents. And that is my backstory. I mean, there's more backstory too. I mean, uh, anybody who's lived through a civil war, there's always mm -hmm. PTSD. And mm -hmm. um, I've gone through PTSD and having that, that eight, eight, nine year old in me who said, you're going to do this. This is what's going to happen. You can live with abundance. This is how you're going to, who you're going to marry, how many kids you're going to have. Because I held on to that dream, no matter what happened to me, even if I couldn't get out of bed from PTSD, I was determined to let my dream be the guy. <laughs> well, I, I love that because the thing is, is most people don't realize, like in my backstory, I'm one of six kids. And yeah, well, then I was one of six kids. Then there's 11 of us total now. And that's just what they claim. Who knows how many more of us there are that it was wow. just that kind of a craziness. My dad was Native American. My mother was white. My dad was an alcoholic. My mother was oh. an absolute narcissist, control freak, pathological liar. It was crazy. Mm. And she hated me. She hated me. She tried. In fact, I said to my brother, it wasn't until I was an adult. And I said to him, I said, I do not know why she hated me. And mm -hmm. he said to me, he said, you know, mom told me because I he's four years older than I am. And he said, mom told me that uh, dad raped her. And that's how she got pregnant with you. And I said, OK, he said she tried to abort you three times intentionally. Wow. And so you, when you're in the utero and, and you're, you're experiencing this kind of emotions. Mm. However, the thing was, is if that was the case, then why did she have more children with him? Mm. So yeah. I'm not sure what the circumstances were. I know she told me once she didn't want girls. So I'm not sure because I was the first girl that that was it. I'm not sure because there's been so many stories but at a time in the 60s in this country, divorce was not common. People right. were expected to stay together no matter the circumstances, no matter the abuse, no matter the fights, no matter mm -hmm. what. Mm -hmm. And so when my, my dad, uh, they were both in the military in this country. And my mom, when she got pregnant in the military, says, you can't be pregnant and be in the military. We'll give you an honorable discharge. You can be that civilian wife but you can't be active duty and so she went from active duty to civilian and mm. i don't know if there was resentment for that i i don't know because with her you could never know however my dad changed his duty station and just never came home my mother went to the church and said the catholic church and said uh, um, i need to file for divorce and they said uh, a woman uh, a, a single parent cannot raise six kids by herself. Right. We'll help yeah. you. 
So I mm. turned eight in February. I had my first Holy Communion, which is like your rite of passage. It's a, in the Catholic Church yeah. it's indoctrination. Mm -hmm. And then on June 6th, I became an orphan and separated from my other brothers and my sister. And my sister was five. You mean the church separated the family? They put us, they recommended my mother put us in an orphanage and she did <gasps> and walked away. Oh my goodness. Oh, so when, so when you talk about the killing fields and I understand because I was a, a, there's a lot of people in this planet that wasn't alive in the killing fields and how they, it was a genocide of people mm -hmm. and they don't under, so to explain to my audience, it happened in the sixties and seventies. And so the fact was, is there was turmoil in your country, just like there was yeah. turmoil in this country. And, wow. but they just, they just systematically in, in the killing fields, just, if you didn't believe in their philosophy, they killed you. It didn't yes. matter. Mm -hmm. But see, in this country, they did that to the Native Americans. It's been a genocide yeah. against the Native Americans since since people came over here on the on the the, the ships from England, yes. from Spain, from you know different countries. However, the fact is, is that when you live it again to understand mm -hmm. to, for people to understand when you're living it. It's different than watching a movie about it because yes. they're trying to portray a story, but it doesn't portray the whole story. It does. I mean, they can only do so much screen in terms of emotions. You can't. It's really hard to portray the emotion and the fear when you're living it. I think, they, I think they got the fear down in the movie, because if I remember correctly, I think they got the fear down, but they didn't give they didn't depict the horror that was actually mm. going on. They, they softened it for, for people to be able to have it, you know, understandable, mm -hmm. but, ex, you know, trying to figure out the movie. Right. So, again, I honor you and I understand mm -hmm. I had PTSD. I had the abandonment. I had all mm -hmm. the all the junk that was going on. And so the thing is, is so for somebody who's going through this and be able to come out of this mm -hmm. is a journey. And in that journey, you did it at nine saying, I'm never going to be in this position. I yeah. said it at eight Yeah. that I was, no matter what happened in my life, if I thought my parents were going to do it one way, if they were going straight, I'm taking a left or right. I don't know where it's taking me, but I just know it's got to be better than where they were, the, the ways they were doing things. At yes. Time. Yes. And so I think I wanted to, I think that's what you were trying to communicate because the fact is, is that you're born into this world, yes, but you have gosh. no control of this world. But you have a choice on how it goes forward. Yes, absolutely. Yes, sure. It is about choices. <laughs> but at nine and eight years old, those choices, you don't know what adult choices you're going to be making. Which is you choose a dream. And then once you hold on to a dream, it just develops on its own. I never had an opportunity to dream as a child because in the orphanage, I had the horrors and the bullying and the nightmares and the traumas. I had two girls try to murder me. In Oh, wow. In the so the fact is, is, so I never dreamed. So I was living day to day. I sh lived and was sheer survival. Mm -hmm. And at some point there had to be sheer survival in you too, because at nine, what control did you have in your life? Well, no, because if you have parents who went through genocide with PTSD, there it's not a soft, it's not a safe, healthy environment. Let me tell you that <laughs> <laughs> it is not safe. 
people who've gone through war by choice, like not who've gone through war, who've had trauma before the war and experienced the war, they're not having a good time raising their children. <laughs> Let me tell you that. It's difficult because you have a different perspective. You don't have that safety point inside of you. Yeah. You don't have that ability to say, I want to listen to my intuition and trust it. You don't know who to trust. And see, I think that's the whole understanding. Mm -hmm. When you go through so much, mm -hmm. where do you learn to trust? Where did you learn to trust? I learned to trust. Uh, I didn't have to deal with trust. I just lived with a dream. I didn't trust. I trust the dream. I guess I trust the dream. And if it didn't fall in line with the dream, then um, I made it juicy enough that no matter what obstacle I achieved, when I was kicked out of university because I, I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't, I failed. I was kicked out of school the first year. And I said, you know what? I have to get my university degree. And I found a way to graduate, even though I was kicked out. <laughs> See, I had to wait to get to my degree. I put my kids through college and then I had established myself in my career and I was in my career going full-time college at the same time. Wow. And I went mm -hmm. summers because I was like, I got to get this stuff done. I can't do 16-hour days every day, 365. You know, I just can't do that. And I did it all online because I was mm -hmm. I was so grateful at this point in life. Modern technology had made it available for me to, be, to work, to coach. I coach girls flag football and boys and girls golf. Mm -hmm. and go to college all at the same time. And I don't know how I did it. I think I was just like this automated robotic kind of thing at the time. And it was just the dream. I, I guess at that point, it was just accomplishing mm -hmm. and serving. Yeah, I think the dream is so powerful when we actually dream nothing is in our way. Nothing is not money time resources nothing is in our way when we really are committed to that dream it might take longer but the dream comes through it does and in fact yeah. that's exactly what's happening in my life i just yeah. i posted it on facebook um i've got this journey to go to the chakras of the planet of earth what's a chakra a chakra is an energy center in your body you have mm -hmm. seven of them and okay. it starts with your root chakra you have a sacral you have a solar plex where your intuition is. You have your heart chakra. You have your throat chakra. You have your third eye that helps you see beyond your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have your crown. Well, the earth has the same chakras, those energy points. And mm -hmm. as we have, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Sedona, which is like a vortex. It's an energy place where the, people get uh, uh, into a, an area and the energy is just so high that it just it just elevates your your whole feeling no matter what your day is wow. and those are called vortexes but oh. they support the chakras and ley lines are like the highways that connect big cities to each mm -hmm. other on the roadways well these are energy roadways underneath the earth that connect the chakras and the energy points around the planet that's how we spin that's how we stay in our in our orbit, that's how the earth rotates. And most people don't understand that. Yeah. Well, you know, I am a very logical person. And so I'm from a computer science and mathematics background. And I'm slowly, <laughs> slowly getting into this um, chakra route. I mean, I can understand. I can actually relate to the third eye. But I'm really warming up to these, like, 
what I call woo-woo-ish things. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's just very slow because it goes against my analytical, analytical mind. <laughs> it, do, it does because the thing is, is but think of it as, okay, here's a better way to think of it. Have you heard of quantum physics? Yes. Everybody Okay, quantum physics, everything is energy, everything is a frequency, everything is a vibration. So are you as an individual, but you have these seven points in your body that emit those frequencies. So when you listen to your dreams and follow your intuition, that gut feeling, that's your intuition, that's your solar plex that's guiding you to for those from step to step to step. Your root chakra is where you hold all your pain, your traumas, your emotions. So it's very, very important to stay grounded. Well, Mount Shasta in Northern California is the root chakra of the planet. Really? Yeah. Ah. It's called the Manifestation Mountain. So what happens if you go there? I did. I went there last September and I did a healing and I harmonized because it is scientifically proven to get off our topics, but it's scientifically proven <laughs> that you can harmonize your left brain and your right brain. You can, you can switch. But not only switch, but you can harmonize them so that they become one. And it's all about mm. if you were to sit and take your arms out and bring them straight out and then cross over, put your right over your left, right over there, right over left, mm -hmm. take a deep breath in, hold it for a count of 10 and exhale. Stretch it out again. Mm -hmm. Now put your left over your right. Okay, you just switched. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a count of 10. And then let it go. Do you feel that the top part of your head starting to tingle a little bit? Because all of a sudden. Like the really right here. Yes. Well, your brain is not left brain, right brain right now. It is your brain. It's merged. Okay. And so the fact is, is when you are f one brain hmm. and now take a deep breath in. Feel 10 heartbeats and exhale. Count them but feel them. Don't think about it. Feel them. And exhale. Wow. I feel alive. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing is, is you just harmonized your brain with your heart. Yeah. So the fact is, is you felt your internal power by harmonizing your mind and your heart and what could what could that do for you on a creative level mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're right now your mind is just wide open and it's like a lotus flower and these petals are just starting to fall backwards and so this is this is what i do but being in law enforcement it's all about the facts ma'am i get the analytical <laughs> You know, it's all about the law. I, I have had this other craziness going on in my life because I've had three near-death experiences. Oh goodness! Oh yeah, you. Uh, yes, I want to oh. say something. I have so much to say because you've given me I so understand. much information. I understand. But I have so much to say. Like, you, you asked a question, and I couldn't just tell you the short version. Of it. Okay, okay. So I really think that as an entrepreneur. To be really to be out there and to be successful, you got to be unique, and it really involves 
the whole brain, the left brain, the right brain, because you need to be creative and beat the market, beat your competitors. And you got to be analytical. <laughs> <laughs> but how, okay, now here's a good question. Here's your duality. How do you be creative and do that? Oh, let me envision this versus being analytical, because that would be like what I call Sam sales and marketing. Mm. Do, you, do you understand the duality there? Yeah, I understand. But it's, okay, yes. so the fact is, is so you do use it. You just, I don't think you realize you do. I never analyze it that way. <laughs> I, just, I just know it's done. I just know I'm like, I didn't break down the elements. I'm just, no. <laughs> and that's fine. But as a workshop strategist. Yes. How would you incorporate that now? Well, actually, I develop a system my own. It's my own intellectual property. It's not taught anywhere else where I guarantee my clients that they get by the end of 10 week program, do you hear the echo? Uh, no, I'm not hearing an echo. Okay, maybe it's just my end. Uh, by the end of 10 week program, you're able to feel, get 50 plus uh, workshop attendees, attendees in 30 minutes or less. Um, that's just for anybody who's just beginning their business. But if you're a six figure business coach, female business coach, that's like 3,000 attendees per month that's the kind of thing um i had to i had to be creative and be analytical to develop a system that is only uniquely to me that's not where available anywhere else so we as we know facebook is not necessarily our friend exactly <laughs> I know. facebook does some strange things I, i'm not mm -hmm. slamming them but i'm just pointing out the facts yes and they limit your content. So how would you as a strategist help your clients get beyond those limitations of Facebook? Because they, mm -hmm. they have this way of, of jacking with your account. Mm -hmm. I've had my clients tell me, Chris, I haven't seen a post of yours in, in months. And well, it's like, well, oh, that's Facebook for you. Yes. Well, the thing is, um, as a Facebook well, workshop strategist, I started off with uh, fulfilling my workshops in Facebook groups. Um, and then I took three months off because I have children. I, I mean, they're here at this home only a short amount of time and time is running out for me that like, I feel that crunch because I have two teenagers, one soon to be teenager, and they're going to be out of the house in a few years. So I have this urge to be with them. I don't care about my business. I took three months off and I'm getting zero connect zero traction on my post. That's why I switched from Facebook strategist to workshop. So my workshop strategist is, yeah, you can use Facebook, but it uses different platforms. So you can be away for three months and it still works because you're not at the mercy of the, the Zuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you put that. I love the way you put that. So Who cares the Zuck? It is. It is. But the, when you think about, because I know I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on MeWe, I'm on Parler, I'm on YouTube, I'm on all these different platforms. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding I'm using all these other platforms mm -hmm. in lieu of Facebook. I mean, I have my groups, mm -hmm. but I had a page. I had 5,000 people on a page and I just dumped it because 
I was getting so much flack from Facebook for no reason. Oh, sorry. And so I literally, I mean, for somebody to have 5,000 people on a page, on a group, uh, on a page is a, a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of focus, mm -hmm. but it wasn't worth the drama. And it's so I, I, you know, so I had to make a choice. Is it worth all this crap from Facebook for no reason? Or just here, Facebook, it's yours. Just dissolve it. Just, just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, the algorithm is not always in your favor and you never know it's, when it's going to change and all that stuff. So I really highly recommend people capture, make their own social media, which is uh, create an email list. It doesn't go away. People have their emails address for eons. Like I have the same email address since I was in my teens. So it's like 30 some years, the same email address. Mm -hmm. And so I really had people to make their own control, their own social media. And that's through email. And well, I, and I get that. I, I, I think I'm not being technology savvy. <clears throat> Let me just, I'm, I'm very vulnerable and very transparent. My husband makes my computer idiot proof. I'm just being honest. <laughs> so I can't blow it up. You know what I'm saying? I can't click the wrong combination of things and have everything just disappear. He's made it idiot proof for me. And I'm grateful, eternally grateful. So, but there is a lot of us who are not technology savvy as older individuals in life didn't have the, the teachings of computers in school. Well, you know what? I am not. Okay. So I, even though I am a software engineer by training, I am not tech savvy and that, that might kind of blow your brains out, but <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's like my first year, my first day in my computer science program, because I, I started off in engineering. Um, I had a boyfriend. He said, Hey, become an engineer. A lot of girls are in chemical engineering. I said, okay, I'll do that. I don't know. <laughs> and so I took a year in then chemical engineering class. And it was time to, in the summer, I was trying to get my internship. I had a hell of a time getting um, an internship and so did the, my classmates. And I'm like, hmm, that's really strange. And then I noticed other engineering programs had the same problem except for computer engineers. I was like, oh, well, let's go that route. <laughs> so that's how I got into computer science my sec second year, which I also got kicked out of my computers, my chemical engineering program. But then I made things work around. There's some backstory behind that, but I don't want it. This is not the idea of this. Yeah, right. I get workshop, it. I this, get it. this broadcast. I managed to go to another university and start a computer science degree. Um, and my first day of school class, I was like, it's blank. Like, how do you turn it on? And that time, there was a floppy, right? There's a floppy disk. Mm -hmm. Remember that? I remember those. Oh, yeah. I remember. I knew to get a floppy, put it in there, and I would say save. Or like, I would program. Like, I mean, the instructor would actually tell you the logic behind the programming. I would do it. I would save, and I'm like, okay, good. I'm done. I'll walk away, come back. Why the hell is that program? <laughs> I programmed it. <laughs> I didn't know how to turn on. I didn't know how to save. So that same assignment, my first assignment, I, I swear I must have written a dozen times because I didn't even know where to tell it to save to. <laughs> so if you actually have the anxiety of computers, I have it too. <laughs> I have it too. 
But I, the fact was, is like I said, I mean, I, I learned how to use computers on different systems. And once you get used to it, it's like you do this same thing every time to get the same result when it's successful. You use the same process. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I could do that. I could do that. And then when they upgraded and they changed things, it's like, oh, oh no, now what mm. do I do? You know? So, and every time it was, it, it get updated or um, at school, we used them uh, at, at the schools, we use Mac mm-hmm. at home. I use a PC, totally mm-hmm. different operating systems. It's like, my brain's not wired for this. It's, hey, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things. So when you say that you're, you know, a computer engineer, I, I'm in awe because I don't have the mind of a regular. <laughs> Let me tell you, I don't have a mind of a regular computer engineer. Like, um, I remember, you know, how in the old days when we were doing using Windows and we had to use the MS DOS, all these commands that we had to type in, I had to have it down, written down. I didn't have it in my head. I'm like, okay, CMD, what does that stand for? <laughs> How do you move files from one directory to another? I had to have them down, written down. I oh, and, know I, and I understand. I get that. I get that. <laughs> so how did you, how did you get, how did you complete your college degree since you were having so many obstacles? Uh, well, first we didn't have the money. So I had to work three jobs. Um, you know, if I were to describe it, it was a miracle. I say the same thing because the thing was, is you're, you're dealing with life, your family, yeah. the kids, and they had to be smaller than at that point, right? Well, and actually, no, that was single. I was in my 20s. I didn't have kids that, but I was dealing with PTSD. Oh, well, no, I, I had a hard I time that, getting out of bed. That's an obstacle. That yeah. is, that's a very living and viable obstacle in a person's life. Yeah. And how did you get beyond it and, and actually end up graduating? I, I worked on it. I'm like one day at a time, like the today, this today is, this is the goal today. Um, I just did it. And I, every time I just, it was always forward thinking. Um, it's, you know, it's just holding onto a dream no matter what. Um, is there a logic behind it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I had like, I had to pay for school and I didn't have the money, but I worked three jobs and I had PTSD and anybody who doesn't know what PTSD is, it's like, I have the dissociation part where the, the thought and the action don't really connect. You can think about doing something you don't necessarily work on it, but we have 365 days in a year, one little action built on each other. And eventually you'll get there and might take longer. So that degree, even though it's a four year degree, it took six years. But it, it was a degree that made me move around the world. I've lived in Bermuda. I've lived in India. I lived, I live in one of those expensive places in the U.S. I live in San Diego. It is really expensive to live in San Diego. We have a single family home. We travel as a family internationally every year, uh, several times a year, because I wasn't going to let my nine, my nine-year-old said, this is what's going to happen. There was no buts about it. It was going to happen. See, I had, mine wasn't an age. Mine, there was a lot of intervals that happened that was built on and built on and built on. And it was recalibrate, 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 get, you know, recalibrate. And so 
you knowing my backstory now, this is why I do this. There's so many ordinary people out there that have come over, overcome so much in their lives Mm -hmm. to be productive and to pay it forward to other people. How did you become a coach? What Uh, what kind of put you to that point of wanting to serve others? Uh, what I became a coach was um, I had become a stay-at-home mom because, and it was something that I think I didn't want it to do, but then I decided to do it because, um, you know, I didn't have a family that I wanted when I was growing up, and I wanted to do things very differently, uh, be uh, that mom, the reliable mom that I really, really wanted because I didn't have mm-hmm. one. And, and then I remember it was time for me to go back to the working world because my youngest was already going into kindergarten, going full time. I'm like, this is my next chapter in my life. And I remember waking up one day and I said, you are a fake or you're inauthentic. And I was like a word I never said her before or really. And I, it popped in my head and I was extremely stressed, depressed. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I now know what it means is I was so goal oriented that I forgot who I was. Mm-hmm. I had lived a double life pretending to that, pretending to be that girl who had everything handed to her in a silver platter, which was not the case. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that, but people who actually met me that thought that's like, I had everything handed to me. No, I worked my butt off for everything I had. Um, and so I went into the coaching world because a friend had just graduated from a coaching program. And I don't know what she said, but it was something along the line of it just I had a feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. I had a feeling that coaching was it for me. And coaching, let me tell you, in the coaching program, I fought tooth and nail against my coach because <laughs> she was making me delve into the future, the past that I didn't want to deal with. And that was um, when I was two years old during this genocide. Um, I actually found my father who had deceased. I found his body. I was the first person to find mm-hmm. him. I was only two years old. That event traumatized me so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go back into that time to deal with it um, was, a, I didn't want to, but I did. <laughs> and I really think going through it, even though I fought to the nail against it, it was liberating. It, I finally could mm-hmm. let go of a lot of energy that was built up in my body because all the stress was building up in my body and it was my body was attacking itself I was I had an autoimmune disease in my early 40s and I was bedridden for two years because there's the stress just shut my body down I couldn't get out of bed most people and see the thing is is autoimmune diseases are actually genetic most people don't realize that so the fact is, is what your parents went through as young children, when, when there was all the conflict there, they had different things. And so it is genetic. Autoimmune disease is genetic. However, it can skip generations and hit another generation. So mm. where it hit you and all of a sudden, because of the pain and the traumas, it triggered it in you. And so as it, it's called shadow work, it's going back to those dark, dark times in your life yeah. and reliving it and saying, oh man, I remember how I felt. I feel the pain. I feel the horror. I feel the nightmare. Mm-hmm. I feel all of this coming up. And then it's like, what do I do with this? And it's like, mm-hmm. is it fear that I'm feeling? Is it uncertainty that I'm feeling? Is this what's holding me back from becoming my best version? Yeah. It was, and I think that was your catalyst because shadow work, you have to 
heal the shadow work to go mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, what I came from it is I realized that there was a lot of quirks in my life that I thought it was, okay, that's, I'm just, a, this is my quirk. I'll live it with the rest of my life. And what, what it is, is perfectionism. I'm always trying to figure out what's going to happen next to make sure I'm safe because of mm-hmm. what happened to my father mm-hmm. um, at age two is I'm always trying to figure it out. And that limits my creativity. Mm-hmm. And once exactly. when I was able to let go of trying to figure it out and, I know the Zuck has <laughs> a quote <laughs> that you'll figure out by doing it first. Or she had, I don't know, that's not exactly word for word, but you'll figure out when you're doing it. And I was not able to be creative because I was just always in the perfectionist mode, uh, making sure I'm safe. The next mm-hmm. move is always safe. Um, and when I'm able to let that go, then this is how I develop my program. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. Um, what three tips could you give a person if they were coming to you as a new client of what they could do to better their moments? Um, I would say really take care of yourself first. Uh, whatever it is, it's eat better. Um, I know a lot of people talk about budget and stuff like that, but it's more costly not to be healthy. <laughs> it, it, it truly is. It, it truly not, is. Yeah. But what would be, well, salt baths, exercise, even oh. if it's just walking, anything like that could start getting you healthier. Mm-hmm. Watch the food you eat. Yes. However, yes. what would be two others? Okay. So, uh, I do, you know, take supplements every day. I am very good with my food. I yoga, I do exercise every morning. Uh, Two others is consider yourself lucky. If you have a friend who, and just one or two, where you can just share anything you want. And they're like, no matter how dirty and ugly you you are going to share. And they say, we'll figure it out together. That is a friend to cherish and be that friend for that person too. Um, be that person and then have someone be that for you. I think that is, I think that's good. That's how I got through so much. Yeah. Uh, number two, geez. Um, don't let money be in the way. If you want to travel, travel. I mean, it's easy. I can say this very honestly. I came with no money. I had to create it and I had to learn the hard way. If you want something, get it because we are so creative. I'm like, like you, Chris, you had to deal with so much. I had to deal with so much mm-hmm. and logic doesn't play into possibility. Mm-hmm. Doesn't No. <laughs> don't play. Don't let logic be in your way. <laughs> I, I love that. And it is true. It's true. When, when we have limiting beliefs or we think, yeah. We, if we think we can't do it because of money, oh. then we have to let go of the expectations. We have to let go of the overthinking. And mm-hmm. it is stepping through that threshold and seeing money as a tool and not as a lifeline. There is yeah. a huge difference between the two. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I think that would be my first two is don't let money be in the way and have a good friend and be a good friend. Oh, I'm, I I love that. I love that. Well, um, pronounce your name for me again, because I don't want to sacrifice you. <laughs> no, you. 
Okay, you. you. Sit back, take mm-hmm. a moment. Okay. Take a deep breath in and connect to your inner child. And what mm-hmm. would she say of you today from then? Uh, she would say, I'm so proud of you. Mm. I didn't know it was going to be a terrible moment in the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I, I, what, if, you, if you become a, a subscriber to my, my podcast page, there's one time I, I'm full blown. I'm crying. I was crying in my own podcast. It was like, holy mackerel. But, yeah, what would she say? She's, she's also saying that she is not only proud of you, but she is so excited that you didn't allow – your obstacles and your blocks and your barriers to prevent you mm-hmm. because in your life, there was a lot of uncertainty for time yes. as incidents happen and different things happen, mm-hmm. but you never gave up on yourself. And Don't that worry. is key for you. Yeah. And, no matter. Uh, and you know, when you're anybody who's gone through hard times, there's, there's usually people who are coming with good intention. They love you and they, would blame you and if you love yourself enough if you stick to your goal you're not gonna let those negative comments vibes get you down well you can't get down but pick yourself up right (laughs) it's one thing to know what's your energy and what is somebody else's energy yeah and the thing is is if you know that you know what that's negativity it's not mine it's on them Mm mm-hmm guess what? It frees you up to, to recognize that I don't have to accept that energy. I don't have to accept that understanding. I don't have to feel that in me. And in NLP, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, that's called pre-framing. So if I put negativity out to you, I'm pre-framing your subconscious to believe that this is true about you. Mm. So the fact is, is that you have as an individual, you have choice. And you can say, no, that's not my choice. That's your pre-framing. I never thought of that way. I just think of, it's not, that's not me. It's not working for me. But it gives you a whole nother understanding about oh. how people talk to you and what they mm. say about you. Because the thing is, is their actions could be awesome, but their words are counteracting with negativity. Which one mm. are you? Are you pretending to be that person that cares when you're doing what you're doing to help? Or is it your words that's belittling and degrading that's tearing somebody down? Is that you? Mm. you they need to get clarity, not you, but they need to get clarity on who and what they are. Wow. Mm. I've been doing this for 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and it is it when you heal your own soul and you mm-hmm. can as an individual. And I, I just honor that in you because oh, thank you. that's the mile you walk. That was the journey. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is what happens to us as kids, there's not anything we can do about it. We can't even change it. We don't even have the understanding or comprehension to be able to think beyond the moment. Mm-hmm. And if it's fearful, it's fearful for a while. So you can gain control. So yeah. when you said it was all about being safe, I mm-hmm. get that because that's what it was for me was being safe. Yeah. So um, again, the name Mew. Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, we, I think we met in surfing circle. Oh, you know what? Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I am part of surfing circle and I love it there. It's so, yeah. it, it is one of the places that I have found that 
people are of service mm. and, and they really want to help other people out. And they're, these are self, they're, they're um, heart centered entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. I can, I love that. That's who mm -hmm. I am. And that's who I resonate with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I've never been in a, an environment where there are so many people I can learn from um, people who just are just leaders in their own field. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it is, it is, a, it is an amazing group. Uh, Neil, thank you so oh, much for being here today. I am honored. I am blessed. Oh, I love this conversation. Me. Hang on just one second. Sure. It takes a special kind of individual to dream their dreams, their thoughts and their ideas, and then turn it into their reality. Mew has taken the steps past her fear. She's she stayed the course and have had the courage to do the follow through in her life. Mew, you've championed yourself. Now we know who you've become. Thank you for sharing your ideas, your thoughts and your dreams with us and your program that you do to help others. It has been my honor to have you as a guest on my podcast.